I'm used to getting what I want. It's not because I'm smarter than most people, or richer. These are documented facts, by the way, not boasts. No, I usually succeed because I don't give up. I'm tenacious, or just plain stubborn, if you listen to my mother. If I can't solve a problem via one approach, I'll try another until it finally yields to my attack. I can be patient, if I need to be, and I'm willing to work hard. I just won't admit defeat. I've always been this way, though I'm sure my education strengthened the personality trait. One woman in a class of 30-plus men, most of whom believed that the female of the species was incapable of logical thought, if I'd allowed myself the luxury of surrender, I'd never have survived. Hence, I'm not giving up on Theo Moore, no matter how many times he refuses my overtures. I want him, his technology, and his brilliant mind. I won't take no for an answer. And I believe I finally found a wedge I can apply, or a chink in his armor. Some might call it bribery. In my view, it's just business. Diane sticks her head in my office door. He's here, Rachel. Thanks. Show him in, please. I barely have time to run my fingers through my frizzy curls before Professor Theo Moore shuffles into the room and slumps down onto the couch opposite my desk. I hadn't expected him to be so big. He's well over six feet tall, I'd guess, with the shoulders of a football player. A rumpled white shirt and loose trousers hide the details of his body, but I don't think he's fat, just large. His smooth young face seems incongruous paired with his giant's frame. Shaggy black hair overhangs his forehead and grazes his collar. Behind dark-framed, unfashionable glasses, his eyes dart from one detail of my luxurious office to the next finally settling on the rust-hued trunks of the redwoods outside my window. He sucks in a deep breath, then releases it in a long sigh. He doesn't look at me. Good afternoon, Dr. Moore. I rise, circle the desk, and settle into a chair next to the couch. Thanks for agreeing to see me. He ignores my outstretched hand, continuing to stare out at the lovely view. His fists are clenched on either side of his thighs. Rarely have I seen anyone look so ill at ease. How far away is the sea? he asks, finally. About fifty meters. Most of the time you can't quite see the water, but at sunset you can sometimes catch the glint of the reflections. You should have built closer, he declares. The stark confidence in his voice is at odds with the nervousness I read in his body language. I would have designed this place so that every office had a view of the ocean. That would have been my preference, too, but California building codes are pretty strict. With your money, I would think you would have arranged for a variance. I decide to ignore the jibe. He doesn't seem to realize he's insulted me. I appreciate your taking the time out of your busy schedule, Doctor. I know Looking Glass Inc. is a bit off the beaten track. Did you have a comfortable trip? 
I've gotten plenty of flack for establishing my company's campus in Santa Cruz, rather than in the heart of Silicon Valley, but I don't care. This is where I want to be. Oh, yes, indeed. That was one of the most comfortable limousine rides I've ever experienced. Sarcasm drips in his reply. With a ride that smooth, I was almost convinced that your company's latest technology coup was an anti-gravity device. Not yet. My laugh sounds forced. His social awkwardness is affecting me. That's on our agenda for next year. Would you like some coffee, by the way? Juice? Water? Nothing. He yanks his eyes away from the view and stares over my head, focusing on the Klee original hanging behind my desk. I drank my fill from the complimentary bar in your limo. I find myself in the unaccustomed state of being temporarily